according to rudimentary arithmetic. We are now two-thirds of the way through the year. This milestone has been foretold in recent editions of Charlottesville Community Engagement. And what shall we look forward and count up toward now? Answering that question is not really the point of this newsletter and podcast. But neither is pointing out that August 29th is also a late summer bank holiday in other parts of the world. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs. In this slice of the program, the former grocery store on Cherry Avenue changes hands as a local development firm pays $3.5 million for the property. A task force with JMRL is working to organize information about a potential name change, but trustees remind people it's up to localities to make a decision. John Gaines of the city's 10th and Page neighborhood has died, and a quick update on COVID as the end of summer approaches. today's first and only Patreon-fueled shout-out. WTJU 91.1 FM wants you to know about changes to its programming schedule that start today, August 29th. There's a lot to love about WTJU's programming, but from time to time, the station needs to adjust to better serve the community. WTJU's strategic framework prioritizes better representation of the diverse demographics of the community, both in the on-air talent and the audience. Here are some of the changes. Monday through Thursday evening classical shows will mostly move to Sundays, which will air classical music almost the entire day. Monday, Thursday evening jazz shows will move up two hours from 9 to 11 p.m. to 7 to 9 p.m. And Monday through Thursday evenings from 9 to 11 p.m. there will be four new shows featuring hip-hop, soul, R&B, funk, and more. For the full list of the changes that go into effect today, visit WTJU.net. There's a new owner for a property in Fifeville that contains a former grocery store. Woodard Properties has paid $3.5 million for five properties, including 501 Cherry Avenue across from Tonsler Park. The combined properties total over 1.36 acres and have a combined 2022 assessment of over $1.57 million. They are within the jurisdiction of the city's Cherry Avenue Small Area Plan, which notes the lack of a grocery store where residents can buy fresh produce. Developer Anthony Woodard said the company is in the early stages of planning a mixed-use development. In an email to Charlottesville Community Engagement, he said it may take up until 2025 or later with the current approval and construction timelines. He said that the property might eventually feature a mix of retail, nonprofit use, and residential houses. He said they would love to bring a grocery market to the site if they can find someone willing to run it. The Woodard Company has purchased several sites on Cherry Avenue in the past several years, including the Cherry Avenue Shopping Center, an undeveloped land behind it. Woodard said they have no specific plans for those properties, but will put their focus on redeveloping the former grocery store first. He said in the email that Cherry Avenue is seen as an important corridor for Charlottesville's future, and he said that the Woodard properties are an exciting opportunity to bring what the neighborhood and city need. Woodard said the company will also await the outcome of the zoning ordinance rewrite before proceeding. The company also owns several acres of land on the western side of 5th Street Extended, just south of Tonsler Park. 
Earlier this summer, several community members asked the Board of Trustees of the Regional Library System to consider a new name, while others have remained adamant that it continue to be named after Thomas Jefferson and James Madison. At the beginning of the JMRL Board's meeting on August 22nd, Board Chair Tony Townsend reminded the public that such a decision is not up to the trustees. It is not the board's authority to change the library's name. It is the responsibility of the jurisdictions and also that the library has formed a task force to look into the renaming of the library. The public discussion began in late May when Myra Anderson, president of the Reclaimed Roots Descendants Alliance and a descendant of enslaved laborers, asked for the name to be changed. Before the next meeting in June, the boards of supervisors in Louisa County and Greene County passed resolutions saying they would not support a name change. Multiple perspectives were offered at the June meeting, and you can read that story on Information Charlottesville. The task force includes trustees Lisa Woolfork of Charlottesville and Michael Powell of Albemarle County, as well as library director David Plunkett. Blunkett told the full board that the group has come up with a goal. And that goal is to synthesize public input on the name of JMRL and to make a recommendation to the full board on any particular action JMRL should take. Any solicitation of expertise or input needs to come with an upfront understanding that the authority to change the name of JMRL lies with Charlottesville, Albemarle, Green, Louisa, and Nelson. Plunkett said the working group will organize informational meetings to discuss background, and these will be available for the public to watch online. A survey of library staff will also be conducted. You can add your thoughts through an online comment form on the JMRL's page on the name. So far, as of this recording, there are 179 pages in a Google document of the results. A longtime champion of Charlottesville's black community died last week at the age of 85. According to an obituary in the Daily Progress, John Gaines passed away on August 22nd at the University of Virginia Medical Center. Gaines graduated from Burley High School in 1953 when it was still the segregated school for black students for both Albemarle County and Charlottesville. After attending the Hampton Institute, he returned to Charlottesville to become a teacher and then an administrator, including a stint as principal at Jefferson Elementary School, which was eventually closed and turned into a community center after many years. Gaines retired from education in 1998, but did not slow down in his activism representing the black community in the 10th and Page neighborhood. He served as president of the Albemarle and Charlottesville NAACP and was instrumental in having a new connector road in Fifeville named Roosevelt Brown Boulevard after an NFL player who also grew up in Charlottesville. He was a frequent attendee for many years at city council and spoke often at public comment. Gaines' funeral is scheduled for tomorrow. In lieu of flowers, his family is requesting donations to the Jefferson School African American Heritage Center's Embracing Our Narrative program. That's a one-week seminar for K-12 educators to explore local history through the Black experience. You can make a donation in a link in the newsletter. And finally today... It has been 899 days since former Governor Ralph Northam issued a state of emergency marking the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic in Virginia. That declaration is long over, and this week all of the meetings in Albemarle County returned to in-person ones rather than virtual, a sign that the pandemic has receded. 
But today, the Virginia Department of Health reports another 1,613 new cases as recorded through PCR tests. The seven-day average for positive test results is at 21.4%. The Centers for Disease Control continue to post transmission levels on a locality-by-locality basis. As of today, Fluvanna, Green, Louisa, and Nelson counties are currently rated as high, and wearing masks indoors is recommended to stop transmission of the virus. Both Albemarle County and Charlottesville are considered at the medium level. For those who are infected, Dr. Kosti Safri of the University of Virginia Health System recommends they follow guidelines and stay at home if they can. If uh, a person is um, sick um, with COVID, the most important thing is for them uh, initially is to be at home where they're not spreading the virus to co-workers or to others in, in their work environment. Dr. Sifri said COVID continues to be highly transmissible in indoor settings and that people should remember that wearing masks can be effective. As we head into the um, COVID cold and flu season, we need to also recognize that there's other respiratory viruses that can be transmitted. Dr. Sifri said the majority of people have now been vaccinated and have also likely been infected at least once. The rates for hospitalizations and death have both dropped, even if case rates themselves remain high. And that's it for another installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. It's another Monday edition, and one that's a little shorter than a lot of recent installments. I'm hoping to get out a full week of updates this week to say goodbye to a lot of stories I've not been able to really say hello to just yet. And I want to try to come up with some system where I get the newsletter out by 1 p.m. every day. The original model for this newsletter and newscast is the old 12 p.m. The original model for this newsletter and podcast is the old 12 p.m. newscast that used to run on WBTF Public Radio when I was a kid. That station used to run a full 15 minutes at noon. And when I was in my first professional journalism job in 1995 as an intern on a stipend, I always loved how the format was determined locally and not by the mothership at National Public Radio. My bosses got to select what they did and had a whole system in place to generate content and get it out. Content that listeners paid for directly, similar to how the cost to produce Charlottesville community engagement is covered by the people who read it or listen to it. Right now, there are hundreds of people reading or listening, and about a third of you are paying. Last week, I got a check from someone who didn't want to use a credit card, which is perfectly okay. A P.O. box is one of the things paid for by Town Crier Productions, and you can send that in to P.O. Box 1754, Charlottesville, Virginia, 22902. But if you would like to support the show and don't mind putting something on a credit card or debit card, signing up through Substack is the way to go. And if you do, Ting will cover your initial payment. That could be at $5 a month or $50 a year, which gets you first-look access to stories such as Friday's report from the Charlottesville Circuit Court on the Comprehensive Plan lawsuit or the forthcoming September property transactions. At $200 a year, you get other perks, including shout-outs. Seriously, shout-outs. People want shout-outs, right? And, and here's a shout-out for Ting. If you sign up through a link in the newsletter, you'll get a free standard installation, a second month for free, and a $75 downtown mall gift card. You can enter the promo code COMMUNITY for full effect. And don't forget, I will be on Charlottesville right now on WINA with Courtney Stewart this afternoon at 5 p.m. and every Monday at 5 p.m. to talk about various things land use related. 
Will I say something scandalous? Will I say something silly? Probably, but it's doubtful it will have much of any impact because I am manufactured from milk toast. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of this program. I'll be back tomorrow with another installment, and goodbye.